The following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. We're going to play some of the Hollies today uh, just because their band was so uh, formative during the, you know, they were overshadowed by the Beatles um, because they were playing it around the same time, but they put out so many good songs. And one of their singers was Graham Nash, who later became. Uh, well-known with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And, um, you know, the Hollies just, to me, they have a sound that's as clean and nice as the Beatles. I, I was getting ready to make that comparison. Yeah, very uh, very crisp sound. And yeah. we were talking about the 12-string electric yeah. that we heard uh, in that song. But when you texted me last night and said, hey, let's play some Hollies, I kind of turned my head. I was like, now there's a band I haven't thought about in a while, right. the Hollies. And, and people my generation only know them for – Long, cool woman in a black dress. Right. Well, there's other songs that then, did. Yeah, there, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. Right. There, there's a whole huge catalog of the Hollies, and you, you mentioned the one name that my generation would know the best if you study rock and roll like I do, Graham Nash. Yep. That's but man, right. they have had a revolving door of artists, and they're still out there on tour. They are still recording. They're still they're still out there. The, and the I mean, they're still going. Take it for what it's worth, but. There's a reason why they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. So so they're damn good. And, yeah, you can definitely hear the Beatles in there. But, I mean, they started out just like every band in England. In, in Manchester. In Manchester. Uh, doing old R&B covers. Yep. That's then, exactly right. You know, they moved into this sound. So I, 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 think, I think they're great and excited to play some of their music this morning. There you go. All right. Let's do the Bible verse. Uh Mark number nine, Jesus transfigured on the mount, verse two. Now, after six days, Peter took J- James, uh, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John 
and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore but Jesus only with themselves. Now they came down from the mountain. He commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. So that's from uh, Mark number 9. I've got some stories here today that we can get into. Um, As you know, the... The government has been shut down. Uh, it's called non-essential services, and something like 800,000 people are affected by it. Um, and the standoff is between Trump wanting money for a wall to divide the U.S. and Mexico and the Democrats saying no to it. And so what's happened is that the government has run out of money uh, because they haven't got an authorization bill passed for them to continue to operate. And that has to go through Congress every year. And um, it's been delayed for some time. And the question is, how's it going to be done? What's going to happen? There's an article here from NBC um uh, Government shutdown threatens to have bigger impact on the economy. The government shutdown, one of the longest ever, could have had a bigger could have a bigger impact on the economy if it continues much longer and starts to hit businesses or consumer confidence. Economists said, Bank of America Merrill Lynch economists cut their forecast for fourth quarter growth to 2.8% down 0.1 percentage point and said they may have to trim their first estimate first quarter estimate of 2.2% even more if the shutdown continues the 20 year old <clears throat> the 20 day old government shutdown has had a minor impact on the economy so far but it could start to have a bigger sting if it continues much longer and hits consumer or business sentiment. The economy will move into uncharted waters the longer it persists. J.P. Morgan economists cut their first quarter growth forecast by a quarter point to 2% because of the shutdown. B of A Merrill Lynch economists shaved a tenth of a percentage point from fourth quarter growth, bringing that forecast to 2.8% due to the shutdown. The economists from both firms said that shutdowns typically result in a temporary hit of 0.1 to 0.2 percentage points for each week they continue. And B of A economists said their forecast for 2.2% first quarter growth could be reduced. It's interesting to me how entwined the government is with the private sector and how everybody has come to expect it and believe in government in a big way. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce president says it's time to make a deal on the shutdown. Yeah, okay. In addition to the direct drag 
to government consumption, we could see indirect effects from a temporary slowdown in consumption due to weaker spending from furloughed workers and delay in business investments from policy uncertainty. The Bank of America economists wrote, the shutdown would have a bigger impact if it continues past February. You know, what I'd like to ask these people is why is the stock market still still not dropped 40,000 points? Well, not that many, but 4,000. The shutdown would have, so far there appears to be no end in sight with President Donald Trump locked in a stalemate with Democrats over demand and funding for a border wall. This is the longest in the past 43 years, surpassing a 21-day shutdown during the Clinton administration in 1995. If the shutdown continues into March, funding lapses for food stamps could material impact personal consumption and the cumulative drag from the shutdown could meaningfully cut growth in the first quarter, although some of it would be made up once the government reopens and back pay is released. So everybody's wringing their hands over this. Now, if you're a government worker that depends on this, uh, then I feel for you because, you know, you've got a delay that's occurred because of the fact that politicians can't agree on a solution to the problem coming across our southern border. And that's the, that's the, big thing of it right there stay with us you're listening to the tom dupree show it's news radio 630 wlap the news you want to know we have the absolute right national emergency do it do it now manufactured crisis president obama calls it a crisis stay in the know crisis on the border strength and security at our borders with news radio 630 wlap Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. During times of market volatility, as we have just experienced, it's easy for investors to panic. Some investors want an easy solution, like an annuity, to manage the ups and downs of the market. Some want to seek the safety of bonds and bond funds. At times like this, it's often wise to examine what the long-term returns of equities have been versus other asset classes. At Dupree Financial Group, we use times of market volatility as an opportunity to purchase securities at lower prices than where they may have recently traded. If you'd like to know how our investment process may help you and your retirement investments, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 to set up an appointment. It may be an eye-opening experience for you in this new year. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. When we were at school, our games were simple. I played a janitor, you played a monitor. Then you played with older boys and prefects. What's the attraction in what they're doing? Hey, Carrie what's your game? Not to anybody play. Hey, Carrie what's your game? Not to anybody play. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. More of the Hollies. So Trump administration 
lays groundwork to declare a national emergency to build a wall. Trump has said he's not going to do this, but uh, he could do it. Uh, that would be bypassing Congress altogether, declaring uh, a national emergency, and doing it by executive order. The White House has begun laying the groundwork for a declaration of a national emergency to build President Donald Trump's border wall, a move certain to set off a firestorm of opposition in Congress and the courts, but one that could pave the way for an end to the three-week government shutdown. The administration is eyeing unused money in the Army Corps of Engineers budget, specifically a disaster spending bill passed by Congress last year that includes $13.9 billion that has been allocated but not actually spent for civil works projects. Two people with knowledge of the development said on Thursday. Trump has argued that the Army Corps has urged the Army Corps to determine how fast contracts would be signed and whether construction could begin within 45 days. Trump walked out of the uh, who walked out of a White House negotiating session on Wednesday after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi refused to agree to pay for the wall, reiterated Thursday that he may well declare a national emergency if Democrats don't give him what he wants. Well, let's go ahead and take the call here. Johnny, how are you? I'm with those both. How are you doing? You're calling in early today. Yeah, not too much early, but yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Not much. Ready for a big and I win my 20 biggins. Who are we playing? Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's right. Well, good. And the government shut down. I don't like it. We need more of it shut down. Like 100% of it. You want more of it shut down? Yep. Well, you wouldn't have a job because the food inspectors would be laid off. Oh, boy. You hear that? Matt Bevin has a has a competition in the primary. Did you hear about that? Has what? A competition in the primary. Yep. Yep. Go forth. Is he any good? Yeah, but he's probably not able to be governor. But um, or I don't think he would beat him. But um, yeah, he's he's a conservative. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's strong conservative. And then Jamie Comer's thinking about getting into it too. That's good. Yep. Make give it a little competition. Yep. How'd you like the uh Citrus Bowl victory? It was good. It used to be called the Tangerine Bowl. They ought to change it back to Tangerine Bowl. Yeah, they could do that. But they they didn't have enough tangerines, so they just said citrus. That means they can use oranges, cantaloupe or uh not cantaloupes, um, uh, grapefruit, any kind of citrus, lemons. Yeah. All right. Well, you're a great American, John. You're a great American. And that Trump, that, that news conference Trump had is a good one. So is he, is anybody with handy, Covered nice go is a good one too. Right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okey-dokey. Thank you. That's John Short. Back to this uh, story about the uh, uh, about the using the emergency uh, powers to do this. He was asked about a timetable for a national uh, national emergency declaration. The president said he would see how it goes with Congress. But on Capitol Hill, there were no signs of progress. Instead, lawmakers of both parties were bracing for Trump to declare a national emergency. Democrats were exploring their options on how to respond. You know, Obama declared several national emergencies during his time in office. One of them was for the swine flu. You know, this is so... uh, They'll do anything they can to keep him from getting his wall, which it's known among people along the uh, border that this 
they uh, went to San Diego to interview people at CNN, and they wanted to find out how a wall was a bad idea, and the people locally told them it was a good idea. And so they didn't do the story because they wanted to come up with – this is the incredible um, hypocrisy of the media and the politicians in, in the Democrat side. They have themselves said – over the years that it would be a good idea to have a wall that you can't just let people pour into the country. But now because this president wants it, they don't want it. They'll do anything they can to not work with him. Pelosi declined to say how the house would respond to a national emergency declaration. She said, if and when the president does that, you'll find out how we will react. But I think the president will have problems on his own side of the aisle for exploiting the situation in a way that enhances his power. See, it's anything they can. They're obsessed, completely obsessed with not giving him what he wants. Others cautioned against the administration taking executive action on an issue that should be Congress's purview. It's not the way to do it. I can understand why they're looking at it, said Representative Mike Simpson of Idaho. I don't like the idea of pulling money out of defense and military construction in the Army Corps of Engineers. That's not a good option. Why is it not a good option? Why is it not in national defense? I mean, these politicians... Of all parties, when they get in Washington, they get immersed in a kind of thinking that is just, it's so hidebound. And it doesn't take long for it to happen. But in a statement Thursday, Lindsey Graham, Graham, Republican from South Carolina, accused Pelosi of intransigence that's brought in, talks to an end and said it's time for President Trump to use emergency powers to fund the construction of a border wall. I hope it works, Graham added. There's no question it's perfectly legal, said Representative Doug Collins of Georgia. I wish we didn't have to, but he can do it. That's not a problem. It's The question is, will he do it? Or will the Democrats just sit and let more... Uh, workers federal workers go without a paycheck which is exactly what they're doing because the president asked for a wall he said he would not sign uh any legislation unless he got the wall and that's the deal stay with us you're listening to the tom dupree show it's News Radio 630 WLAP. If your business is healthcare, you care about attracting the right customers. With one in two people looking to improve their health in the new year, now's the time to advertise. Getting healthy, feeling, and looking better are always on the top of the resolution list. Give your campaign a healthy start with iHeartRadio. We reach 93% of Americans, and 7 out of 10 people research your business after hearing your radio ad. Make it your resolution to grow your business with iHeart. Visit iHeartWorks.com. That's iHeartWorks.com. Hey, high school sports fans, if you missed Kentucky High School School Board this past Friday, you can listen to the podcast of the show. Just go to WLAP.com, then click on Podcast, Kentucky High School School Board. Keep up to date on high school sports in Kentucky by listening on any device. Brought to you by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association, Audubell Hearing Center, Family Wealth Group, Retirement Specialists, CATS, HVAC, and by UK Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. Podcasts are also posted on Twitter at KYHS Scoreboard. This is Trooper Tiffany Bond with Kentucky State Police. No matter where you drive across Kentucky, crashes can happen anywhere. So we pay attention to unbuckled drivers and passengers. So get in and buckle up, day and night, Kentucky, these are our communities. If writing a ticket can prevent tragedies like the ones I've seen, I'll do it. Why? 
because it saves lives. A message from law enforcement officers across Kentucky and the Kentucky Office of Highway Safety who remind you, click it or ticket. Shut down three weeks long, now considered the longest closure in U.S. history. President Trump still vowing to declare a national emergency to get funding for the border wall, but holding off, he says, for now, urging Congress to come up with a deal. Some Republicans are warning that declaring a national emergency would set a def- dangerous precedent. Most lawmakers are home for the weekend. ABC's Mary Bruce has more. There was a glimmer of compromise here, but the White House threw cold water on it. And now there are no negotiations scheduled. But with lawmakers back home for the weekend, they may begin to feel more pressure as they hear directly from those constituents who are bearing the brunt of this shutdown. In Paris today, at least four people now confirmed dead, including two firefighters and nearly three dozen others injured. Following an explosion at a bakery this morning, police say it appears a gas leak is the cause. And a major winter storm stretching from Colorado to the mid-Atlantic states could bring up to a foot of snow in some areas in parts of the Midwest. I'm Michelle Franz in ABC News. Snowy start to our Saturday into much of central Kentucky. Watch out for slick travel into the early part of the afternoon before that snow changes over to rain this afternoon. Temperatures going above freezing, so travel conditions will improve greatly as the day goes on. Into the overnight and Sunday, periods of rain and snow are likely yet again. Highs in the low and mid-30s. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630, WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Join Mark Patrick Hypnosis and lose all the weight 100% money back guaranteed. It was life changing for me. And I don't think about dessert like I used to. Bridget, how much have you lost now? I have lost a total of 83 pounds. Holy cow. It's easy, it's fun, very relaxing, and very successful. And I would just say go for it. And only $49.99 guaranteed. Allow hypnosis to destroy unwanted cravings, late day eating binges, boredom eating, stress eating. Also stop smoking with Mark Patrick Hypnosis. No matter how many times you try to quit, hypnosis is designed to destroy your desire to smoke without cravings, irritability, weight gain, or your money back. Join the over half million others who have attended and stopped smoking the Mark Patrick way. The Mark Patrick Hypnosis Seminar, Thursday, January 24th at the Richmond Best Western Hotel. Weight Loss Seminar, 5 30 to 7 30 p.m. Stop smoking seminar 8 to 10 p.m. and Saturday, January 26th at the Lexington Ramada Hotel and Conference Center by Wyndham. Weight loss seminar 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Stop smoking seminar 2 to 4 p.m. More info at markpatrickseminars.com. You know, for visiting teams, the trip to the home court of the Big Blue usually ends in disaster. But for every disaster that happens off the quarter field, call the fire, water, cleanup, and restoration specialist at 1 800 Serve Pro. That's where you'll find the team that's faster to any size disaster, thanks to 27 locations across Kentucky. So when fire or water threatens your home or business, call on the big green vans. It's 1-800-SERVE-PRO. That's S-E-R-V-P-R-O or servepro.com. Go Big Blue. 630 WLAP.
Back on the Tom Dupree. This is Holly's Channel Three Dog Night. Sort of good the, way to put it. The same kind of music. Yeah. Barry Manilow. I I, I want to think that I heard my parents play this when I was like five years old in the car, and it was absolute torture to me. Yeah. On AM radio. Right. But it's still one of their biggest hits. So it is. We yeah. have to play it. Why Trump will win the shutdown. This is uh, from the Federalist. Compromise. It's a word that President Trump used several times yesterday. He is open to compromise. In this case, that means something short of the $5 billion he wants for a border wall. He's open to taking less, perhaps in exchange for not applying the law to younger, illegal immigrants. This is clearly the easiest way out of the current debacle. But it's something the Democrats, led by no wall Nancy Pelosi, have said they will never support. This is a problem. Democrats have backed themselves up against, uh, well, a wall. They have created a situation in which if they give even $1 to Trump to build a wall or fence, steel barrier, or whatever, they have lost the political fight. Pelosi, the great speaker of the House who gets things done, has left herself no leverage to get anything done. She could ask for almost anything in exchange for wall funding, but instead she won't budge. Trump is channeling his inner Michael Corleone and telling Democrats that his offer is this nothing, not even the price of the border wall, which he would appreciate Pelosi appropriating. So here we are. We all like to knock and mock Trump's braggadocio claims that he is the best negotiator ever. But in this case, he really has outflanked his opponents. Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer have painted themselves into a corner. They have said no funding for a wall. They say this despite the fact that they have supported barrier funding in the past. So in essence, they have given themselves no fallback position. The Democrats have made this a zero-sum game. If Trump gets any money for the wall, he wins. That's really a fantastic proposition for him. If he can go on TV, whether in a controversial network roadblock or an appearance on the southern border and say, hey, I'm up for compromise. Meanwhile, Chuck and Nancy have to slam the door shut on getting 800,000 federal employees back to work. A president always has an advantage in a government shutdown. The executive branch speaks with a single voice. Congress is divided between parties. Trump is clearly pointing to and offering a solution. The House Democrats aren't, and their intransigence is highlighted by the fact that Republican members of Congress are calling them out. The simplest and best solution to the current crisis is for Democrats to give Trump a few billion dollars for the wall, get something back on inter on minors illegally transported across the border, and then we all move on. But the new Democrat leadership has decided this can't happen. They have drawn in a land line in sand, and across this line you will not cross. So here we are. What reason does President Trump possibly have to cave? You could point to legitimately troubling stories of federal employees unable to pay the rent, as major networks have done. But as troubling as these stories are, can we really place the blame squarely on the one person who is open for a compromise? Pelosi, perhaps feeling a bit bullied by leftists like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, made a grand announcement that there will be no compromise on the wall. Okay, then what? Trump said he was willing to own the shutdown, and maybe he does, but what if what he took ownership was a situation in which Democrats refused to act. It accrues to his advantage. If the government shutdown ends in the near future, which it well may not, it will only be because the Democrats fold on wall funding. There is no other way out. Pelosio made this a do-or-die situation. In all likelihood, Trump will be willing to keep the government shut down for the rest of his presidency. Is Pelosi up for that? I think, I tend to think she is not up for that. In fact, one problem Democrats face in a shutdown is that if the government gets shut down in the forest and nobody notices, does it make a sound?
That is to say, maybe people will think perhaps the federal government is too big after all, and wouldn't conservatives rejoice at that? Pelosi will have to fold here. There is no benefit for Trump to folding and plenty of benefit for her. She played it wrong. Fair enough, she can live to fight another day. But this time on this fight, Trump is beating her soundly and will get his wall funding. It's only a matter of time. Think about it. Democrats becoming the party of drugs and thugs. And this is by uh, Adriana Cohen in the Boston Herald. Democrats are the deplorable ones for pulling politics over the safety and security of the American people. They know that our nation is in the midst of an opioid epidemic with the drugs poisoning our citizens, destroying families, and ravishing communities across the U.S. So doesn't it make sense to secure the poorest southern border by any means necessary to stop the cartels from bringing fentanyl, heroin, and other dreadly drugs into our country? Of course it does. But self-serving Democrats are more interested in scoring political points with their base by resisting the Trump agenda than protecting American lives. It's no wonder voters hold such a low opinion of politicians. Who can blame them? The partial government shutdown, which has put Trump in a corner, is the left's chance to get a deal on DACA. As the president has made it clear he's willing to make a deal in exchange for a barrier or a wall along the southern border, partisan Democrats are so bridled by their unbridled blinded by their unbridled quest to regain control of the West Wing in 2020, they're willing to throw an estimated 11 million Dreamers under the bus when they could be obtaining amnesty for them. That's a gargantuan missed opportunity that will bleed support from the Hispanic community, <clears throat> no doubt. Then there's the fact that the Democratic Party, including its leadership, widely supported and voted for billions of dollars for border security over the past two decades, including hundreds of miles of fencing currently in place. But now since Trump's involved, they refuse to work in a bipartisan manner and support both a barrier wall and additional common sense measures. That's not leadership. Liberals know that criminals, terrorists, and gangs, including the ultra-violent MS-13, are crossing the border and putting citizens in harm's way. And knowing that it took only 19 hijackers to destroy the World Trade Center, hit the Pentagon, and take over Flight 93 on 9-11 should be compelled enough by both parties to work together to prevent another cataclysmic attack, not play games with our safety. Bottom line, every day Democrats refuse to secure the border brings them a step closer to becoming the party of drugs and thugs, not a winning platform leading to 2020. And if you think about it, that's exactly what's going on. They're playing politics with our security. They cannot abide the idea of giving Trump any kind of victory. And they won't allow it. So Trump has to simply say, I'm open to compromise, but they won't give it to me. So what's the problem here? You know, I think that Trump is seen, he, he is such a masterful negotiator and he understands politics better than they understand it. They simply have to bow to their bases. They're hamstrung. They being Pelosi and Schumer, they have to, um, do what their base tells them to do, and they don't have any flexibility. Trump has an immense flexibility. He has the ability to to negotiate, to bargain, to do all these things, and I, I think that the uh, American people will see that for what it is. They're going to understand that the Democrats have backed themselves so far into a leftist corner that they can't go anywhere with 
with negotiation. Also, the national interest says that here's another thing about Trump's negotiating power, that the president of China, Xi Jinping, will give Donald Trump a victory on trade. Expect Trump to declare a triumph in a great trade deal that will feature China's purchase of more than a trillion dollars of additional U.S. products. With the conclusion of the first round of negotiations yesterday in Beijing, the way ahead for the United States and China to avoid a full-scale tariff war has become clear. With 50 days remaining before the March 1 end of the truce, Trump and Xi announced to prevent U.S. tariffs increasing from 10 to 25% on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports. Negotiations are likely to continue until the deadline. But before March 1, Trump will declare victory in this phase of the trade war, extending the truce for another six months, in which the second phase uh, of negotiations will address even more contentious issues. There's no doubt in my mind from what I hear and see is that the tariffs are having a bigger effect on the Chinese economy than they are on ours. And China needs to um, come to the table and be willing to negotiate pretty strongly in order to get through this. In watching Beijing, it's more instructive to think of it as a corporation, more like a corporation than a government. Each December, the CEO and his team set objectives for the year to come. So, in a series of closed-door meetings in December, Xi explained to key members of his team that sustaining current levels of economic growth will require painful choices. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP. James Comey. Michael Cohen. John Kelly. General Mattis. December. Goodbye. George Herbert Walker Bush. 2018. Alaska. Earthquake. Indonesia. Tsunami. 2019. Withdrawing from Syria. Happens here. Shutdown. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. During times of market volatility, as we have just experienced, it's easy for investors to panic. Some investors want an easy solution, like an annuity, to manage the ups and downs of the market. Some want to seek the safety of bonds and bond funds. At times like this, it's often wise to examine what the long-term returns of equities have been versus other asset classes. At Dupree Financial Group, we use times of market volatility as an opportunity to purchase securities at lower prices than where they may have recently traded. If you'd like to know how our investment process may help you and your retirement investments, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 to set up an appointment. It may be an eye-opening experience for you in this new year. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP.
Back on the Tom Dupree Show. And this is an article uh, about horse racing. I just thought it would be interesting since we are the horse capital of the world and there's got to be some racing fans out there. If you're not a racing fan living here in Lexington, shame on you because, you know, there's so much of interest in the horse world. This is about a horse from Australia named Winx, W-I-N-X. This is from the racing form, today's racing form. She's a beer. She's a postage stamp. She's a bona fide superstar and a national treasure. In this case, that nation is Australia. Winx Envy hit the world's great racing stages. By the way, Winx is a, is a horse that's seven years old who has won 29 races in a row. 29 races in a row Winx has won. Winx Envy hit the world's great racing stages hard last year. Dubai figured they had a race tailor-made for the marquee mayor on World Cup night. England's Ascot pulled out all the stops trying to recruit her for its royal meet. Even the Breeders' Cup sent serious feelers southward to encourage a possible autumn detour from her appointed rounds. No dice, though. Winks and her people are homebodies. More than content to be the biggest fish in a pond that in, by turn obsesses with cricket, tennis, horse racing, and Aussie rules football. It is not true that all 24.6 million people who live in Australia are hardcore sports nuts. It only seems that way. Winks, seven years old, is the mayor with the otherworldly 29-race winning streak that dates to May 2015. After a campaign that included her fourth straight victory in Australia's premier wait-for-age event, the Cox Plate, Winks is back in training with Chris Waller at his stable near Sydney, where she rivals the wondrous opera house in both dramatic stagecraft and architectural splendor. On Saturday, a delegation from Winks World will be at Santa Anita Park to accept the Secretariat Vox Populi Award, sponsored by the family of the late Penny Chenery and their Secretariat Foundation. Translating to Voice of the People, the Vox Populi has zigged and zagged through its brief history to such disparate thoroughbred personalities as Zenyatta, California Chrome, American Pharaoh, Ben's Cat, Rapid Redux, Mucho Macho Man. That was a horse that was um, taken care of by our bluegrass native and good friend Finn Green. Mucho Macho Man, and a horse called Painter. Winks, W-I-N-X, the first international winner, outpolled Breeders' Cup turf winner Enable, two-time winner of the Arc de Triomphe, and Justify, winner of the American Triple Crown. We're in awe of the accolade, considering the other nominees, co-owner Peter Teig said. It's another in a long line of awards she's gotten, and we're truly amazed by all of them. Uh, Winks is a horse that um, I don't know much about, but I've been hearing about her for some time. And uh, she's evidently a phenomenal talent. Tiggy's, uh Magic Bloodstock bought Winks as a yearling in partnership with Richard Treeweek for two hundred twenty thousand Australian dollars at the Magic Millions Gold Coast auction on January tenth, two thousand thirteen. After which they brought Debbie Keptis into the mix. Keptis is the daughter of the noted Australian breeder Bob Ingram, who sold the family's breeding farm to Sheikh Mohammed. 10 years ago for a reported $500 million. Tiggy's business, besides thoroughbreds, is wholesale fruit and vegetables, which Tree Week is a former ad man and teenage ranch hand. It was Tree Week who came up with the filly's name, inspired by her damn Vegas showgirl. 
if you've ever been to Vegas and go and see a couple of shows, you realize there's some pretty good sorts up on stage. A mischievous tree wink told Australia's 60 Minutes TV magazine, if you like them, you wink. And if she likes you, she winks back. A commemorative label... Uh, commemorative Winks label of Australians Carlton Draft Beer hit, hit the shelves last year, not long after the $1 Winks stamp was issued. They're issuing stamps for her. Last October, Tygee and Keptis shared a Winks beer in their three Cox plates with Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Four days later, Winks won them a fourth Cox plate. I'm not sure what her running style looks like. I don't uh I don't know how big she is or what she looks like. All I know is that uh Australia has gone wild over this horse that continues to win and win. I can never get used to how many people follow her so diligently, Keptis said. They'll come up to me and say she runs in two weeks, right? Th- this is Horse racing, this is the kind of following that horse racing could have if people here were more focused on it. Um, You know, Justify was a name that people were beginning to follow closely. And sadly, they took him off the track. I think sometimes horses get taken off the track too early. They get retired to stud because that's the – prudent thing to do from a business point of view but it it hurts for the fans because they don't get to see the horse run anymore and uh here's what happens when you see a horse that's run for years now everybody's been following him her and she's a national sensation it's great for the sport and I think sometimes some of the people that uh, are involved in the sport here don't see that. Stay with us. It's the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WAP. Access to affordable home internet brings you incredible opportunities. You can enjoy the power to explore a digital world of possibilities and connect with family, friends, and the things that matter most.